Too smart for your trading app? Tired of brokers made for beginners? Then it's time you get serious. It's time you join Tasty Trade. The tools and tech you need for a tough market, plus low and capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more, all in one place. If you trade anywhere else, you're missing out. Join the club, genius. Visit TastyTrade.com. Tasty Trade Inc. is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA, NFA, and SIPC. Good Tuesday morning and welcome to Money Movers. I'm Leslie Picker with John Ford live from Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Stocks at this tower, a little mix. The Dow is hanging in there with some uh, upside results from Walmart. The S&P down half a percentage point. NASDAQ down a full percentage point. And that's right where we'll start with risk assets continuing to be the big winners off the strong back of data. Our first guest, though, warns that a repricing might be in order. Double Line's Deputy Chief Investment Officer Jeffrey Sherman with us now. Uh, Jeff, good to see you. Why are repricing? Well, what the repricing is essentially from the bond market. And if you look at what happened uh, starting at the press conference back in November uh, from Jay Powell, we had this, uh, what I call the everything rally. It started with the rates market. Uh, you got credit spreads to tighten in. We saw risk assets in general perform very well. And this continued fervor uh, within the rates market of, of a downward pricing of a, of a Fed cutting cycle uh, continued through December. And then we got to the point where bonds got a little bit overbought. And we heard from the chairman roughly almost two weeks ago now saying that essentially uh, March is too early to be priced in a rate cut. And then further to that, we continue to get economic data that probably says that the Fed should continue to remain on hold for a longer period than the market's pricing. So about a, a month ago, we had roughly six cuts priced into the marketplace. And today, it's fewer than four. So the repricing that's taking place there is essentially because of the inflation data, the labor market data, and effectively the economy doing relatively well. So uh, mm. I think what, what should be on investors' minds today is thinking about uh, what they should be doing with their fixed income portfolio. So to put a finer point on what you're saying, we got that PPI data late last week, producer price index, that can tend to flow through into consumer prices, suggesting that, hey, inflation is still around a bit. And then the ISM services data also suggested uh, that, that prices, at least that pressure, remains there. And that's going to keep the Fed higher for longer. And perhaps that's why we see certain stocks like NVIDIA, like AMD, some of the growth stocks suffering this morning. That's right, John. And so I would call it not just a one-two combo, but a one-two and a three-punch as well. Uh, it started with the jobs report at the beginning of the month. Then it led over to the ISM service data that was relatively strong, but it's underneath the hood that was really strong, John. And what I mean by that, it's something called prices paid within there. And the number of respondents saying that they had higher prices paid uh, was, was a meaningful uptick in this last data print. And so why that's important, if you think about services, one of the big input costs is labor. So we think about labor, you think about wages now, right? And you think about the Fed's mantra that wage growth leads to higher than inflation, uh, higher inflation that they would like. So essentially what you're seeing is that this data there uh, is feeding into kind of the input costs. You mentioned PPI, that goes into manufacturing as well. 
And so we've had a hot, uh, C, we've had the hot ISM data, then we got the CPI data that, that was an uptick, and then third, this PPI, which also flows in to the Fed's preferred measure, which is, which is PCE. So all of these things say that inflation is not necessarily on the trajectory that the Fed wants. And if we rewind the clock from about three or four months ago, the Fed was lauding the inflation data. They were using three-month and six-month annualized numbers to say these numbers are running around 2%. Well, hold on all of a sudden with the latest CPI print. Now the three-month number is, is around four. Uh, the six-month number is about three and a half. So it's just not fitting the same narrative. And so that is why the Fed is likely to be a little bit higher for longer. And again, maybe some of that fervor, those rate cuts uh, are getting pulled away from the market. And as you mentioned, it's getting to those interest rate sensitive assets that are suffering a bit today. What about the prospect of a hike? I ask because Larry Summers uh, was in the media on Friday saying there's, quote, a meaningful chance that the next rate move is upward, not downward. He says there's a 15 percent chance of that, kind of given the recent data that's come in. Are you uh, investing as that being a, a significant possibility? No, I mean, it's something you always have to think about, Leslie. But if you say meaningful, then you throw a 15 percent probability on it. Is that really meaningful? Um, and so I respect Mr. Summers and, and the stuff he's putting out there. But I think what he's trying to say is that, hold on, these rate cuts are not certain at this point. And again, you know, some of the options trading, it does look like there's some people out there saying that what if scenario at this point. But right now, if you think about where the Fed is today with a policy rate of five and three eighths, if that's the midpoint of their range and inflation's running at four percent, you still have something that is a positive real yield. So the policy rate being above the inflation rate should help bring some curtailment there. So it doesn't really necessitate a hike at this point. If we start to see some resurgence in inflation again, then potentially that is the direction of the Fed. But I think it's a little bit too early to call that at this stage. And I think, I think what Larry Summers was saying was effectively that maybe these, these rate cuts that are priced in are not such a done deal. So then given what appears to be sort of an inflection point, how would you be allocating a fixed income portfolio right now? Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, you know something that we thought about to be in the year is what I would, to use trader talk, is say fade the forward curve. That is, the six rate cuts are not really likely of what you're going to see now. Um, the Fed themselves say it's probably closer to three, if you believe the dot plots. Uh, so, some folks like Bostic have come out and said the same thing that his 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 forecast is for three. So I think that's probably right. Uh, maybe we start in June. Maybe it's a quarterly kind of cutting cycle. But um, at this stage, I think what you want to be with your fixed income portfolio is just somewhat nimble. Uh, you, you don't have to bet on rate cuts to make money in fixed income. We start with positive yields. Uh, we, have, we have positive real yields and we have a decent nominal yield in the market. So you can put together a portfolio that doesn't need to have rate cuts into it or interest rates to rally to make money, you can earn carrier, you can earn the coupon. And right now, uh, high quality fixed income portfolios without meaningful risk in them today probably yield something in the high fives. You want to you want to sprinkle in a little bit more risk there. You can do something in the mid to high sixes as well. So in general, there's just a good opportunity to be able to allocate to fixed income. And again, let fixed income do what it's supposed to do in most points of the cycle. And that's throw off income. All right, Jeff, thank you. From Double okay, Line. Thanks, thanks for having me today. Le Leslie, now we get to talk about what I've been excited to talk to you about <laughs> all morning. Continue talking about Capital One Discover. Got to mention, Capital One, well off the lows right now, just about flat. I was going to say, from credit to credit cards, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. um, you're, you're right, John. It's one of the largest deals announced so far this year. Capital One to acquire Discover Financial Services in a $35.3 billion 
all-stock deal. Goal here is to grow Capital One's credit card offerings and deposit base. It's expected to close later this year, early 2025, after which Capital One shareholders would own 60 percent. Discover shareholders would own the remaining 40 percent of the combined company. You can see Discover up 13.7 percent, but this all-stock deal was done at a 27 percent premium to the unaffected stock price from Friday, which insinuates some kind of risk that this deal closes. We mm-hmm. heard from the executives on the call expressing, you know, a level of confidence that they would kind of get those necessarily approved. Which necessarily, they always do. Which they would. And <laughs> you're not going to put out a press release saying you're doing a deal if you don't think you're going to get approval for the deal. However, right. this is certainly um, you know one of the toughest antitrust environments we've seen in a while. Financial services and specifically banks, in, you know, increasingly under the microscope there. And they have, you know, not just one or two regulators. They have like six to contend with, you know, for a yeah. deal like this. So... You don't get wedding invitations that say, come join us. We'll see if it lasts. Exactly. They're they're always super confident. But it it does seem at least we're an hour or so in, hour and a half in to the trading day. Capital One Financial well off the lows, just about flat. That at least signals some kind of investor you know, support yes. for Capital One spending this money. Yeah, and I think, I mean, this is a, an accretive deal. It's one where you can extract billions of dollars in synergies, both from network um, externalities that they're able to kind of use the Discover network there, as well as, um, you know, cost synergies because you're combining two companies. So the overlap, you know, usually goes away um, once you do that and you're able to extrapolate some cost synergies there. Um, and, you know, Analysts have kind of pointed out the merit of the deal, that strategically it makes sense in an increasingly competitive environment for, for credit card issuers, as well as, you know, some of the idiosyncratic challenges that Discover had been facing with regard to the trajectory of their credit quality. Um, you know, this, this is a, a potential solve for that uh, in, in combining these companies. Is it a catalyst? Is there somebody else who we look to to perhaps try to snap something up in the next couple of weeks in reaction? It's a good question. It, you know, they were talking about kind of on the call this morning why this was auspicious timing for this deal to take place um, and, you know, why the stars aligned right now. And a lot of analysts were trying to kind of get to a sense of the, the timing in particular. Uh, the executives didn't really give too much detail other than to say this is something that, you know, we thought would work for a while and, you know, now the stars aligned and we're able to kind of do this transaction. But it does make you kind of wonder what went on behind the scenes that had, you know, early 2024, kind of given where we are in the economy, where we are in the competitive environment, where we are in the regulatory posture as a, you know, green light go sign for this deal to take place. But I think, you know, hopefully we'll find out when those filings reveal kind of the backstory. I always love reading the background <laughs> of the merger and how that took place. I think that uh, is is some good weekend reading that we'll definitely get in a, in a couple of weeks. Good for you. Good weekend <laughs> reading for you. But we'll see if the credit card issuers can do better than the airlines. You know, JetBlue Spirit comes to mind. That didn't work. Well, coming up, Walmart and Home Depot earnings. Those stocks now both in the green after reporting this morning. Plus, we're watching Medtronic. Upbeat guidance had shares near the top of the S&P in pre-market trade. But now off those highs, the CEO joins us later this hour. Don't go anywhere.
Edward Jones, who knows that just like life, financial planning isn't only about long-term goals. It's about the moments big and small along the way. And when it comes to achieving everyday financial goals, Edward Jones works hard to connect you with someone you can trust professionally and personally. That's why they created their free financial advisor matching tool to help you find a financial advisor in your community. When you take the quiz and get your matches, don't expect just a list of resumes. You'll also see each financial advisor's story and personal interests. And when it's time to meet for the first time, they'll focus on your story, asking questions to understand where you're headed and why. Because Edward Jones knows that at the end of the day, behind every financial goal is a life goal. And that's what really matters. To learn more and find your financial advisor partner, take the quiz at match.edwardjones.com. Shares of Home Depot are now higher by about a half a percent this morning, thanks to an earnings beat on the top and bottom lines. Weak sales and guidance taking the stock down earlier with uh, sales guidance, I should say, with Home Depot posting its first annual sales decline since 2009. As I mentioned, shares are now fractionally higher after being a bit in the red, Leslie. Yeah, definitely a bit of a rebound uh, in today's trading. The other big earnings mover this morning is Walmart higher, uh, up about 4% right now after its own earnings beat, with revenue coming in strong after a holiday season boost and a surge in e-commerce. Walmart also announcing today it will buy TV maker Vizio for $2.3 billion. Our next guest reiterates the stock is buy this morning, and as his top idea in retail for 2024, TD Cowan Managing Director Oliver Chen with us now. Uh, so, Oliver, reiterating a buy, what were some of the key highlights for you in this morning's slew of announcements? Leslie, we're really excited about Walmart and what they're doing here. It's a tech-enabled company. So as we think about Walmart holistically, a lot of the technology is working from digital advertising to curbside pickup to the marketplace model. In addition, it's a value leader. So over 60% of the business is grocery. That's working well as well. Dividend is also raised here, and it's a, it's a great stock in terms of free cash flow generation. So all around defense and offense, the consumer is resilient but looking for value. And Walmart always ex- executes so well with everyday low prices. So there are many aspects working. And don't forget the high household income customer the higher income customers also coming to Walmart for the delivery convenience as well as the marketplace model. At this juncture in the company's life cycle and given kind of the competitor landscape, what do you see as the, the key catalyst for the upside for them? Obviously, this Vizio deal is very interesting as it kind of gets them more into, you know, advertising exposure and, and data. Um, you know, is that where you see is kind of the next chapter for Walmart? Yeah, what we think about for Walmart is what we call the new nexus of retail, and that integrates digital advertising. Digital advertising at Walmart is growing at 30%, and it's a very high-margin business. The Vizio deal should enable this, should catapult it. Uh, Vizio has a software product called SmartCast, which already has a lot of customers. It's a nice platform for Walmart to continue to embrace digital advertising. Second, the marketplace model. The third-party marketplace model, other sellers selling on Walmart, that adds a lot of inventory in a capital light fashion. And then artificial intelligence, even drones, image recognition, computer vision. Walmart is using AI to perfect inventory management to get greater inventory accuracy, also to reduce fulfillment costs. So all these things working together are very helpful in terms of generated more profitability 
market share growth as well as revenue growth. Oliver, is Walmart reaching escape velocity? I ask that because I'm looking at Target and, you know, take a look at a a five-year or so chart of that. It doesn't look great, right? It had these highs uh, up in the the two, well, well above 200. And now it's down around 150, whereas Walmart's at all-time highs with a market cap above a half a trillion dollars. So as this omni-channel strategy continues to play out and as we see them expanding into this advertising strategy driven in part by devices, could they go even much higher from here? Yeah, John, we're excited. It, It is our best idea because as we think about the future of retail, we're calling it a big ecosystem. Think about Walmart as a healthcare provider through pharmacy, financial services, a very robust global business too, and China and India, and a business called PhonePay, where they really understand the future of payments. So Walmart as an ecosystem, being defensive and offensive, and being a share leader in grocery, those are very key attributes. What we have happening at Target is a tougher time with consumer discretionary. And general merchandise at Walmart was down low single digits. That's impacting the whole sector. Home, seasonal goods, toys, big ticket items, that's been more negative. And the consumer is in what we call a tug of war Hmm. between needs versus wants. Inflation and needs is taking dollars away. So, Oliver, what does Walmart still have to prove to, to kind of get that technology platform valuation finally versus the, the mega scale retailer valuation? Yeah, John, it's an early inning. So the marketplace model will continue to grow and add sellers. They'll also do more fulfilled by Walmart. Also, advertising is in early innings, too. And then Walmart Plus is a very robust competitor. You get discounts on gas, you get the Paramount streaming, and that will be a great factor too in terms of driving this whole flywheel. The future of retail is bricks plus click. So 90% of Walmart is within, 90% of the US is within 10 miles of Walmart. Uh, That will be a key factor too as this evolves because we think physical meets digital is very important for customer engagement as well as minimizing acquisition costs too. Hmm, fascinating. Uh, it's, it's great to have you on, Oliver. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. And, course, don't miss, and don't miss Walmart CEO Doug McMillan tonight on Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern. And right now, coming up, more Chips Act money in action, this time for Global Foundries, the impact on auto and defense. After the break, stay with us. We often talk in our community about keeping it real. I, for one, want magic. You see, magic is what black history is all about. It's about celebrating people who achieved magical feats. Our ancestors did not focus on their reality. Instead, they dared to dream and then acted on those dreams. During this Black History Month, our community, particularly our young people, should commit to making magic. Too smart for your trading app? Tired of brokers made for beginners? Then it's time you get serious. It's time you join Tasty Trade, the tools and tech you need for a tough market, plus low and capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more, all in one place. If you trade anywhere else, you're missing out. Join the club, genius. Visit TastyTrade.com. Tasty Trade Inc. is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA, NFA, and SIPC. 
Welcome back. European markets set to close in just a few minutes. A mixed picture for stocks kind of looks like it does over here. In the stock 600, the mining and tech sector is both declining by more than 1%, while chemicals jump by more than 2%. In the financial sector, Barclays, the big winner, a major operational overhaul, including substantial cost cuts, boosting shares after reporting Q4 results. Right now, that stock up 11.5% on those cost-cutting and overhaul initiatives. Meanwhile, in Asia, markets digesting China's decisions to cut the five-year loan rate. We talked with Eunice Yoon last hour just about how it may not be the kind of welcome silver lining that this sector was looking for, this, uh, you know, shot in the arm, so to speak. But it certainly doesn't hurt kind of what they've been grappling with with tighter conditions there. As opposed to an actual shot in the arm, which does hurt. Uh, (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Speaking of shots in the arm, the largest grant of the CHIPS Act so far going to Global Foundries today one and a half billion dollars to build a fab in upstate New York as President Biden's program now starts rolling out to major players. And that is the focus of today's Tech Check with Megan Casella. Megan, how does this money break down? That's right, John. In addition to that direct funding of $1.5 billion, the CHIPS office is also making $1.6 billion in loans available to global foundries. And official estimate the Officials estimate the potential private investment will be something like $12.5 billion. Now, that's a boost that's expected to triple the company's production capacity and create more than 10,000 jobs. The focus here in production will be on legacy chip making. NEC Director Lael Brainerd tells CNBC that the grant will be critical for the auto industry and for Global Foundry's partner, General Motors. The kinds of chips that go into cars uh, and led to those massive shortages uh, during the pandemic, that capacity is now moving here in the U.S., but also important for satellite and uh, space kinds of applications that are important to our national security. Now, the goal here, of course, is to counter China's influence. The vast majority of legacy chips are manufactured in East Asia. But given just how ubiquitous these chips are and the way that our defense industrial base relies on them, officials say, including Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, they say it's crucial that we move more of that production here to the U.S. Now, guys, as you said at the top, this is the largest grant announced so far. And it's one of the first that's really substantial. But it's still only $1.5 billion out of the $39 billion and subsidies that should be coming. So there will be much more to come in the coming weeks. John? All right, Megan, thank you. And uh, Leslie, we're expecting still some kind of grant for the likes of Intel, right? Which is, we would presume Intel's bigger. You know Pat Gelsinger's been laying out this turnaround strategy, including Foundry, which is resource intensive. He's got this uh, facility in Ohio he's trying to build out. That could be billions of dollars, but that has not yet been announced. And the chips for Global Foundries are not, these aren't the factories that build AI chips, you know, advanced process technology. This is more of that basic manufacturing of nuts and bolts chips that go into cars, the the sorts of things that we ran into trouble with during the pandemic, right, when we couldn't get them over uh, from Taiwan from Asia. How, what's kind of the backlog in terms of, you know, you get this grant 
And then you need to be able to get, you know, source the materials to build the factory. You need the workers to build the factory. Because I've spoken with sources before who said that just kind of given the dynamics in the economy right now, it's not as easy as just kind of collecting that, you know, in this case, $1.5 billion, and all of a sudden there's a factory and all things are, you know, firing at all, cil- all cylinders. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the labor market is still really tight. The materials aren't just kind of, you know, you can't just go to a Home Depot, for example, <laughs> and pick up a bunch of lumber and build a factory. So, um, you know, how how big of a lag time? About three years is what I've been told by people who build these fabs. And it's not in all cases like they aren't already making preparations to build them. But sometimes when you know you got money on the way, you can move a bit faster. Right. The labor issues have eased versus where they were a year and a half or so ago in building these fabs. We heard that from Intel when they reported the last quarter. Pat Gelsinger told me that. So that's not as much of an issue as it was a couple years ago. But Mm -hmm. there has been some pulling back on certain plans if companies aren't sure where that capital is going to come from. And, um, you know, as as the economy perhaps gets a little tougher as capital is harder to come by, this kind of infusion from governments that guarantees jobs, certainly companies welcome it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Also, of course, keeps the fiscal spending spending higher at a time when the Fed is trying to tighten, although, you know, $1.5 billion, probably not moving the needle per se, but yeah. just kind of a continued trend in that dynamic. Sure, there is that too. <laughs> <laughs> not to be the, the, you know, look at the negative. It's obviously a, a great thing. Shot um, in the arm. Shot in the arm, exactly. <laughs> uh, time now for a news update. Bertha Coombs has that for us. Hi, Bertha. Hi, Leslie. The U.S. vetoed a U.N. resolution this morning demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. The vote in the 15-member Security Council was 13 to 1, with the United Kingdom abstaining. The U.S. ambassador to the U.N. says Washington backs a temporary ceasefire instead, arguing that the proposal today would interfere with hostage negotiations. A two-day hearing began today in a British court to determine whether WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange can block his extradition to the U.S. to face espionage charges. His legal team argues he was acting as a journalist and whistleblower when exposing crimes by the U.S. government. U.S. officials say he threatened and risked the lives of U.S. troops and others with his leaks. And a bit of horsepower this morning on I-95 in Philly an actual horse on the road. He was spotted galloping down the interstate in the early morning hours before police successfully corralled the animal. A local urban riding nonprofit says the horse escaped from their stables overnight, about five miles away from where it was captured. Always avoid I-95 if you can help it. (laughs) That's all I have to say. You got to share that memo with the horse. Glad that, uh, you know, nothing tragic happened and the horse was returned safely because, uh, yeah, I-95, you never know what you're going to get there. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much. Need a little horse sense. Exactly. Hey there. Hey there. Uh, Still ahead, the CEO of Medtronic after a big earnings beat, Money Movers, is back in a moment.
Dow's back fractionally in the red. Well, we are just about two hours into trading. Let's go post the post with Bob Pisani for a look at what's driving this market. Bob? John, good to see you as always. Uh, so it's a down day the whole day, but we're finishing up earnings season essentially on a very, very high note. There's a lot of new highs. There's been some generally very good reports. You saw Walmart, uh, big help on the Dow. Uh, this is a historic high here. We're, we're up like 12% this year on Walmart. You wouldn't think Walmart would be a momentum stock, but that's what it's turning into. And in fact, there's a bunch of new highs and some of them historic highs uh, right now. I want to talk, though, about earnings because everyone's obsessed about NVIDIA this week on the big earnings report. But actually, Berkshire's going to be reporting on Saturday. Remember, they're a Saturday reporter. And, you know, their main stocks, Coke, Apple, they're doing OK. But watch for two things. They've been buying back a lot of stock. Last quarter, they made announcements. That's going to be important. And the insurance business has been doing great. The reports from the big insurance companies have been great. I would look for those two things, buybacks and how the insurance business is going. Meantime, we were talking about new highs, historic highs. Waste management has had, you know, just two incredible earnings reports in the last four months. They reported last week and the stock jumped. So we've gone from essentially 150 at the end of October to over 200, a 30 percent move. This is just one of the big momentum stocks that are out there. Again, this historic high here. Uh, General Electric, another one, just great overall momentum here. Uh, really noticeable. We're at a seven-year high right now. It's not a historic high, but this is up 15 or 16 percent just in the last five weeks or so. So big momentum here. Now, these are non-tech stocks I keep pointing out. We're talking about the pharmaceuticals like uh, Lilly, uh, Merck here, another big component that's been moving the Dow, helping things out. This is another essentially historic high here. Look at this. I mean, it's not a lot every day, but it's been a mover consistently. So my point here is there's plenty of non-tech stocks that have very significant momentum in the market, and we have to keep an eye on the broader market and search for uh, better diversification, Leslie. I think that's the big thing. I just got back from the ETF conference in Miami, and the main panel was on diversification outside of the Magnificent Seven the investment advisors are under a lot of pressure to start talking to their clients. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. 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 Advisors are under under a lot of pressure. Advisors are 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 under a lot of pressure. 
lot of pressure. Devices are under a 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 lot of pressure. 
Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Advisors are under a lot of pressure. Adv
of pressure. Devices are under a lot 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 of pressure. Dev
Devices are under a lot of pressure. 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 Devices too smart for your trading app. Tired of brokers made for beginners. Then it's time you get serious. It's time you join Tasty Trade. The tools and tech you need for a tough market, plus low and capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more, all in one place. If you trade anywhere else, you're missing out. Join the club, genius. Visit tastytrade.com. Tasty Trade Inc. is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA, NFA, and SIPC.